Does the neighborhood you live in play a role in your health? To find out, we're joined by Adriana Zuniga, a postdoctoral research associate at the University of Arizona. She's also an architect by training, and she conducted a study that looked at four types of neighborhoods and how yours may affect your health. So, Adriana, tell us what you were examining in your study. Well, I was building on my master's thesis where I design a sustainable neighborhood. So I wanted to look at the interactions between that design and human health. How basically the design of neighborhoods can influence physical activity. And you looked at nine factors in neighborhood design. Yeah, the first stage of this research was to assess walkability the elements of a neighborhood that can influence people walking or biking. And I based walkability into nine categories. It looks at how the network of streets are laid out, whether it's a grid or a cul-de-sac, that would be the connectivity, then the land use of a neighborhood, whether there's commercial, close to residential, density, traffic safety, surveillance for safety from crime, parking, the experience of walking, green space, and community. So these are the nine categories that together would represent a walkable neighborhood. What sorts of health effects are caused by these neighborhood designs? Well, I measured well-being according to the World Health Organization definition of health that includes physical, mental, and social health. I was primarily concerned with physical health with the link of physical activity, right? If the design of neighborhood can influence physical activity, I was looking for a physical health relationship. But that was the surprising finding from my study that I didn't find a physical health correlation, but I found a mental health correlation to neighborhood design, which was interesting. So the design of neighborhoods affects mental health, not so much physical health. So what kinds of neighborhoods are the best in terms of health? Well, the most beneficial, in my opinion, was traditional development. These type of neighborhoods are found mostly before World War II or before the mass adoption of the automobile. That's when things really changed. So we're looking at neighborhoods that are usually have grid street network, so they are more connected. They have front porches and garages, or the cars would be accessed through alleys. So those types of neighborhoods reported the higher levels of walkability and where people walked more for both recreation and transportation. So those were the more active neighborhoods. But the suburban development or the typical suburbs where we see cul-de-sac street networks and big lots and single-family residences, mostly residential, those neighborhoods reported the higher level of mental health. And I think that's because of the nature component, more vegetation, more trees, that sort of thing. On the other side of the coin, what's the worst kind of neighborhood from a health perspective? You know, it was interesting because a third neighborhood I measured was the enclosed communities or the gated communities that they lock themselves out of the city for safety from crime. 
but these type of neighborhoods did not show any well-being benefits, not even safety from crime, which was kind of surprising. So people who live in these gated or fenced communities, they did not feel safer than people living in other types of neighborhood designs. Is there a takeaway message in your study for people who may be in the market to buy a home soon? Well, walkable neighborhoods like traditional development are very good options. It's where people can be active. So that's the ones I would recommend the most. But according to my study, these type of neighborhoods have the potential to be even better if we add vegetation, trees mainly, and maintenance or removing graffiti or trash, those sorts of things. Adriana Zuniga, an architect and postdoctoral research associate at the University of Arizona. Thank you for sharing your findings with us. Thank you. We're out of time for this week's show, but we'll return next time with another edition of InfoTrack. Our reporters are Roy Mackey and Lisa G. Our executive producer is Randy Meyer, and I'm Chris Whitting. Internet services by Pair Networks. Visit them at pair.com. Thanks for listening, and join us next week for another InfoTrack.